Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Love our first Sunday of the month. It's a special, special time. One of the shared couple years, coming back from sabbatical, the uh, one of the takeaways was I think we should do communion every week because that time at the cross is, it's just life and it's uh, fixing our eyes on our Lord and we continue doing it once a month as uh, we feel like that's probably a good, keeps it fresh and, and one of the things we've added to today that, that I know I, I've not done a good job pumping up from up here is the first Sunday of the month, not only do we celebrate communion, but we have an all church prayer gathering at 8.15. And it, too, is just life. And um, it's a really neat time where you won't be put on the spot to pray, but rather we just gather corporately. We, one of our thoughts with prayer is we don't want to be a church that has a prayer meeting. We want to be a praying church. We pray in every meeting and all the time. But there is something about coming together and just kneeling together in God's presence. And today, about several of us met, and just, uh, man, it's, everyone's invited to that, but he is the treasure, and he is with us. And so, uh, but today we begin this new series we're calling "Arrival" as we celebrate Christmas together. And the word "arrival," as we think about that, really, the Creator, in the fullness of time came, set time came, arrived in His creation, and. Not a new truth, I think, to most of us, but we're hoping to just see this afresh and really let it land on our soul, the wonder of it, the mystery of it, the, the beauty of it, and, and move us to worship. John says it this way, the Word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us, pitched his tent among us. The Word, the Word there, it's, an, it's another a name for Jesus, but it, it's the, the Greek word logos that describes all of knowledge, all of wisdom, wrapped up in a person. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when John says we have seen His glory, that's significant. Because when you see the glory of God... It changes you, it transforms you, it moves you. You can't be the same person when you've seen his glory. So I ask a, a question to you today. Was there a moment when you saw the glory or you saw something so beautiful, maybe it was someone or something, a scene from nature, what, that it wrecked you, it changed you. It, it, you walked out of that moment diff, a different person. Have you had a moment like that or is a scene come into your mind take nature and a moment when you just see the glory of God and the beauty of his creation and it, it just wrecks you you are you thinking of seeing something I know my mind immediately goes to one of the we used to take uh, middle school students up to the shores of Lake Superior and we camp out out there and I remember camping we went so we're going to skip the tent tonight we just laid on the shores of Lake Superior and the stars never forget just being wrecked by that moment a cap Captured my attention. I couldn't look away. It was shooting stars just going everywhere because you could see so many of them. 
it stoked my affections. I was like, I love this, <laughs> and I love you, Lord, and it captured my will. I wanted to get back there every year to those shores and that night, and just, um, it, it, I wanted to get back there, and I wanted to share that with others. When we see beauty, glory, it changes us, doesn't it? It captures our attention, it owns our affections, and it, it, it even captures our will. We want that, and we want to be with that and experience that and share that with others. And here, guys, is the reality. As we come to this Christmas 2020, the most beautiful, glorious being in the universe is our God. And he created us with his glory, for his glory, that we might know him, and in knowing him and in seeing him, reflect his glory, become more like him, and in that bring him glory, and say, okay, where do we see the glory of our God? John says, we have seen his glory in Jesus. As Wes mentioned, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the radiance of of God's glory. Like, we see it in this, in Jesus Christ coming for us. And so this Christmas, our passion, our prayer, each time we worship, is that we would just get a glimpse of his glory. Because when we see his glory, and here's the big idea, when we see him as he is, we will serve him as we should. You found that? When we see him as he is, we will, we will serve him as we should. And so today the window through which we're going to glimpse the glory of our Lord is Isaiah chapter 6. And it's through this, uh, this text, we get a, a window, if you will, the, the shades are pulled, the curtain's drawn, to, to look into the throne room of God, this one who came for us, and to see his glory. And so if you would join me in Isaiah chapter 6, verse, we'll begin in verse 1, and it, the text says, in the, in, that, in the year that King Uzziah died. Quick context here. This is happening in 739 B.C. The, uh, now, the scene opens in the year that King Uzziah died, which to us means very little. But to Isaiah and to the, the nation of Israel, Judah, this was a big deal. King Uzziah became king of Judah at the age of 16, and for 52 years he reigned and led the nation into a time of prosperity. So for us, we get a little uneasy when we have a president, you know, there's that transition of power for four years, 50 years of a great season, and now this king dies. And we know that King Uzziah was, uh, if you haven't read Second Chronicles chapter 26, you've got to read this story. It is powerful to check us up. But basically, good king for most of his life, but at the end of his life, he bonks with pride. He, he walks into the temple to worship God, thinking he can worship God on his own terms. And it's one of the, the coolest pictures of the, uh, the gift of community and people who are courageous enough to tell a leader he's wrong. The priest is I, and it says 80 other courageous priests follow him into the temple and say, don't do that. You're not the king. You're just a king. You can't worship God on your own terms. And the text says, um, that, that King Uzziah raged at these priests, and as he was raging at them, telling them, you can't tell me what to do, I'm the king, leprosy breaks out on his forehead, and for the last 10 years of his life, he has to go into quarantine and reign from there. And 
So, uh, but anyway, the, uh, the, this text opens with a, uh, the king is dead. There's that feeling of uncertainty. And now here comes the, uh, the glimpse of glory. It says, in that year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So do you feel the contrast in this? Our king is dead. Oh, but the king lives on. And you just feel that the churn of human leaders grinds on, doesn't it? In 50 years, every world leader right now is going to be dead, gone. But the king of kings, he remains on his throne. And it says, and, and we get this glimpse of glory. He is one, he's alive. Two, he is high and exalted, seated on a throne. And this idea of being seated on the throne uh, points to his authority as the supreme authority in the universe. Every atom in the universe answers to our king. The throne being high and exalted uh, points to the reality that not only does he have authority, but he can exercise authority and no other throne is above him, meaning no power or any other throne or, or uh, ruler will thwart the plans of our king. And then when it says the train of his robe fills the temple, this is kind of hard to get our minds around, but it's the picture of his majesty filling wherever he is. Uh, you picture for us the train of a robe. What, what comes to your mind? It's a wedding and the bride, and it's a picture of her, the glorious beauty of this, this woman. And and the train just follows her, and it fills, you know, wherever she's at. But what's it say in the text? The train of his robe fills every inch of this temple. Do you walk on a bride's robe? No, you, you would never step on her robe. And, nor, and what's it signify to us? We can't even enter the presence of God because of his majesty. If you're going to go in there, you better have wings. And that's where, where uh, we see that, that those who worship him here are... Um, beings that are they're actually flying there in verse two it says above him were seraphim seraphim literally the hebrew word is flame this is the only time in scripture that seraphim are mentioned in in his throne room and each with six wings two are they're covering their faces two they're cover their feet which is a picture of humility and reverence not even able to look at him but with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the Lord, Yahweh Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of heaven. The whole earth is full of his glory. How many of them were there? I don't know why my mind just goes, to, I think there were probably two or three, but it doesn't say there's probably multitudes because of what we see next. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds, they shake and the temple was filled with smoke. When we glimpse the glory of God, what is our fitting response? And as we look into the throne room of God today and, and we see this through Isaiah, this scene is instructive to us and the answer simply is reverent worship. It's to to follow the, the anthem of heaven and these incredible beings that are singing. And it's to sing his praise, right? 
the, the action step today as we think about when we see his glory, we will sing his praise. When we see his glory, we will sing his praise. And so today as we go throughout our, our day and then into this week to celebrate Christmas, the challenge for us would be let's see his glory, but then let's echo the anthems of heaven. Let's make this song our song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And you say, what does it mean when he says, when they're singing holy, holy, holy? And this is a word that's it's important to dig down into what it, what it means. The, word, the root word holy is to cut or to separate, which means to, for something to be holy, you, you take it and you separate it from what is common. And in the Bible, you would take something and you would separate it for a purpose devoted to God. So we have all kinds of holy things you see throughout Scripture. You have holy ground. That, that you have uh, holy garments, holy clothes that the priests were to wear. You have a holy nation. You have holy people. Even in the New Testament, you even have a holy kiss, a kiss that's set apart for, uh, you know, uh, devoted to God. And And so what does holy mean when we use it to describe God? It means he is an infinite cut above us in every category. Who he is, what he does. He is holy in this context, in his majesty, in his power, in his authority. There is no one above him. And when they say holy, 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 they're taking that to the superlative that into the, the cloud of mystery where we can't even understand how far above him, he, above us he is. Holy in his greatness, but also we see what we'll see in a moment, holy in his mercy and his grace and his, his love. I love Psalm 29.2 that says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And it says at the end of it, all in his temple are crying one word, Glory. And what David writes there is, is um, confirmed here by Isaiah's look into the throne room. But as we worship God, as we uh, sing his praise, it doesn't stop with holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. These seraphims sing on and invite us to sing on. And I love this part. It says the whole earth is full of his glory. To which we say, what is Glory. I, and I love the way John Piper de, uh, defines glory. I, it's a fuzzy term in our minds. Like, what is glory? Here it is. Glory is the holiness of God, the infinite otherness of God on display, public display. Say, hold on. If you're Isaiah saying, hold on. You're saying the whole earth is Full of his glory? Are you living on the same earth I'm living on? Our king just died. We're headed into a time of, of a mess as a nation. For us here as people here, we got some darkness going on in our own world too, don't we? We feel it. The curse is on the loose. Evil is, is all around us. There's a virus that's just messing stuff up. Are you saying? Guys, today, the anthem of heaven is this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth. And I love that word whole. Like, you can't find an atom out there that's not displaying his glory. Because even evil, one day, will display the glory of God. The whole earth 
is full. And I love the word full, don't you? It's full of, full of what? Full of his glory. But you don't know my life. I'm going through a hard, hey, hey, hey. Even in your life, the darkness around us does not stop the anthem of heaven or in any way blunt this powerful truth that the glory of God is radiating and exploding all around us. Isn't that awesome? Can you feel the hope coming out of this? <laughs> and what if, you guys, here's the question. The glory of God's, th this earth is full of his glory. The question is, do you see it? Are you seeing it? Or have the shades been drawn and are you allowing the enemy to drop you down into despair and, and get you to believe a lie that it's not? And the power of praise, the power of stepping into his throne room and then responding with praise is, as we sing this song this week, what's going to happen? As we echo the, the uh, I found it in my soul this past week, as I try to echo the anthem of heaven, I'm seeing his glory all around me. The heavens declare the glory of God, don't they? You step outside, Psalm 19 says, look up. I love one of the uh, habits of President Theodore Roosevelt was to step outside, and, and he said this. This was almost something he did almost uh, every night. He would look up and say, he would find the, uh, the faint spot of light at the lower left corner of Pegasus, which was a, this tiny star, bottom of that constellation, or that... Uh, yeah, constellation of stars. And he would say this, that is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It is as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. So that little spot of light, hardly see it, is one of a hundred million galaxies. It is 750,000 light years away. And it consists of 100 billion suns each larger than our own sun <laughs> and then they would say he would say and whoever's with him now I feel small enough I think I'll go to bed <laughs> the glory of God the whole earth is full of his glory amen you say we see it in the skies but we see it all around us Last night, enjoying a dinner, Italian feast with family, and just looking around that table, and the glory of God in the food, and in the, the fellowship, and in, the, uh, in you, Jesus follower, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You say, I don't feel very glorious. We, we have this glory in jars of clay, but his glory is radiating in us, the heart of Christ in us as well all around us and so as we glimpse his glory we'll sing his praise so that'll be the challenge this week would you do that would you be willing to do that it's the uh, isaiah 6 3 song just take it and and sing it make it a part of your your daily prayer time and and uh your thoughts throughout the day will be the challenge okay as we glimpse his glory something else happens to us that we see there in verse 5 Isaiah immediately says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Speaking of the sinfulness of, of his, what he says, but ultimately coming from his heart. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It's in the light of, of God's glory that we glimpse our, who we really are, isn't it? We 
His glory illuminates our lack of conformity to, to who He is and our sinfulness ultimately. As Romans talks about, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and, and we realize the judgment for that is death. The, uh, our, the penalty for that is death. Our normal tendency as we go about life, though, is Psalm 36, verse 2 says, we flatter ourselves too much to detect or hate our own sin. But when we see our glo- His glory, it moves us to see our sin and to confess that. So another action step coming out of this, this text for us today is not only to sing his praise. When we glimpse his glory, we will sing his praise, but we will also confess our sin. And just encourage you today, we've already spent some time in prayer, but as in this week, as we get just quiet ourselves in God's presence, as he brings us to uh, that hard place of seeing where we're broken, we're sinful, pride at play in our lives, that, that we would be faithful to confess that, to repent. And then it's here we see uh, the glory and the, the beauty of, of our God's mercy and grace. Now, if you're Isaiah in this moment, you're in his, the throne room of God, these flaming creatures, seraphim, are singing God's praise. You've realized your sinfulness and that you deserve judgment and deserve to die. What would you be thinking if you see one of these flaming creatures coming your way with a, a live coal in his hand? Where Isaiah, I'd be thinking, game, set, match. This is it. This is over. I'm dead. Um, here it comes. But watch what happens in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar. And when it touched, and, and with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And this is a picture of God's purifying grace cleansing us. It's fitting that a king, as great as our king, would send a seraphim to do the purifying work, isn't it? That's what kings do. They send servants. They send messengers. They send others to do their bidding. And purifies Isaiah. Then I think about Christmas, and I think about the arrival And this is where it starts to go, like, no way. The king of glory, holy, holy, holy. What did he do to purify us? He didn't send a seraphim. He could have sent 10,000 of them. He didn't send a seraphim. He got up off of his throne set aside his glory and he came for you and me and he didn't come with a coal of from the hot coal or or something he came to shed blood his blood And it is not with the coal that we've been cleansed, it's with the precious blood of the King of kings, Lord of lords, powerful to purify every sin of everyone who calls on him. This is our God. 
I don't know if you just feel like dropping to your knees as, as it starts bonking your mind, doesn't it? Like, what kind of humility? What kind of condescension? Who does this? Our God is holy, holy, holy in his humility, but in his love and mercy to creatures who don't deserve. We are unclean, dead enemies, rebels, filthy still with our pride, and yet he, he didn't send a seraphim. He sent, the Father sent his Son, and Jesus came, and it's like, does anyone else feel like just falling on your knees and saying, oh, come let us adore him? Let's put up a Christmas tree and let's set some string of lights and let's gather on Christmas. You know what I've been feeling like all week? Forget Christmas Eve. Let's Christmas week. Let's get in here with Wes and every night, let's start on Monday. Let's get in here and just kneel before him and praise and let's get in here on Tuesday. Let's just sing and let's get in here on Wednesday. He is worthy of that, isn't he? Guys, do you know who came for us? The King of Kings. It's interesting, he hasn't even said anything here yet. The King hasn't even spoken. And Isaiah's in worship. But when the King does speak, what happens? It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Now, what would be the normal response if you heard God saying or you heard someone saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? The normal response is, okay, where are we going? And can you tell me where we're going? And like then, um, fill me in on the logistics. What's going to be the strategy for this? And just give me some data. I need some data. Who will I send? Who will go for us? No one in their right mind says, all right, let's go. You, you, you get the data. You say, okay, what's the cost benefit? Like, what's the benefit going to be for me? And then I need to make sure I'm equipped for this, like I'm the right person for this. So let me get back to you. Who, who shall I send? Who will go for us? I'll, I'll, give me the data. I'll pray about it, and then I'll get back to you, right? What's profound about this moment, guys, is Isaiah has no itinerary he has no data he has no logistics as to where we're going or what we're going to do why does he say here am i send me how can he do that he got a glimpse of who is sending him and when you've been sent by the king you don't need data do you (laughs) we don't need data why he is the king of kings hebrews chapter 1 3 what's it say by his word today He is sustaining all things. What is our response when we glimpse his glory? We sing his praise, we confess our sin, and we gladly serve him. Here am I, Lord. Send me. There's no greater joy than doing the will of our king. And so the action step today would simply be to to pray, Lord, send me, send me to someone who needs to know about your love. Send me to someone who, who needs an uplift and that, that I can share my strength with or my resources with to give them an uplift. Send me to disciple somebody. And what is, we had, uh, Tim, how many guys said, I'll, I want to be discipled out of our, like, 17 guys said, I want to 
team up with another guy and just follow me. And I want to, what is discipleship, guys? It's just helping each other follow Jesus and pick up momentum. And we do it together. 17 guys, what if you, we've all been called by God or sent by God to, to make disciples. And so, Lord, send me to somebody to make a disciple and just to be an encouragement to them and meet. And I loved how Fred defined discipleship. You know what discipleship is? Spending a lot of time with somebody, getting into a lot of word together, and just helping each other through life. That's it. Praying, Lord, here am I. Send me to somebody and help them follow you. Send me to be a witness to the beauty and the glory and the wonder and the majesty of the King of Kings to somebody today. Just be a witness. Let my life send me to, to be a light for him. So, question today. Have you ever prayed that prayer, Lord, here am I, send me? Have you ever been sent by God? First step is to glimpse his glory, to get into his presence, to see him, to worship him. But what's cool is if you get sent by the king, you're going to get her done. I love the picture of Paul. And uh, what in the world kept the apostle Paul going? He gets beat up, left for dead out there. He comes back to the city and starts preaching again. And uh, they have to let him out of the, you know, the city by a, a basket. Just going, but he, he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. Why? Anybody? Why won't Paul stop proclaiming the glory of God and the good news of the gospel? Anybody? There was a moment on the Damascus Road when he got a glimpse of the glory of God. Blinded him. Changed him. And guys, what if this Christmas we pause in the presence of our Lord and we think, okay, who is it that, that arrived for us? We just kneel before him and we say, Lord, every Sunday, that's our prayer every week, but even in your daily quiet times and as you worship throughout this Christmas season, what if we get a glimpse of the glory of God? Because when we see his glory, it changes us. When we see him as he is, we will serve him as we should. And today as we look at the glory of his majesty, it moves us to, to sing his praise. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3, would you join in that this week? Just be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It moves us to confess our sin. This week, would you be willing to, to just be praying, Lord, cleanse me, purify my heart, make my heart like your heart. And then would you be willing this week to pray, Lord, send me. Here am I. Send me. I'll do your bidding. Are we in? <laughs> we serve a great God, don't we? Let's worship him together. Father, we thank you for this glimpse of glory through the eyes of Isaiah, thank you for the gift of faith just to, to be able to see this together today. And Lord, we, uh, we are so grateful for your grace poured out to us. Creatures created in your image for your glory but fallen and broken and just in a mess. But at this time of year, Lord, just to, to bask in the wonder of the incarnation that you, our God, took on flesh 
for one purpose, and that was not to judge us, but to save us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, so that we might share in your glory, reflect your glory, and bring you praise. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity as a faith family this season to do this one more time, and Lord, we want to see your glory in a way that would just accelerate the, uh, the good that you want us to do. Lord, this week we pray it would be a week of praise, a week of being purified, and then a week of being sent to do the good that you've created us to do for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.